Welcome back, everybody. If you're ready for part two, let me hear you say, yeah, ho. Yeah, ho. Let me hear you say, yeah. Let's get it. Um, okay, so moving on. So how does it feel as a teacher to educate kids who struggle? Now, you have been teaching kids that are at, you know, that are at risk, that are at the end of their ropes, really. Um, so did you find that managing what may be considered bad kids or at risk students? Like, how did you feel of that for you? Like, what kind of feelings did you go through each day in the classroom with them? Well, I, tr- I try my best not to say bad kids too often. Sometimes you get to that point where you just, ah, you got to call the space fade. Um, one thing I've learned is to, every day is a new day. Start off with a clean slate every day. You understand? Yeah. Start off with a clean slate every day. Do your best to model the behavior that you want. So if I, if I want a kid, a child to be respectful, I try to show them the utmost respect. And I try to model it, and when I have to reprimand them, I, I try to show them the, how they were disrespectful. And I, and I will say, because when I, when I speak to my students, it's always yes sir, yes ma'am. Just like I want them to say to me. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I try my best not to yell and fuss like yelling fussing. Mm-hmm. I may preach a lecture every so often, give you that, give you that come to Jesus lecture. Mm-hmm. But I try not to yell because I want to model behavior. Cause I don't want my students yelling at me. So I was like, did I yell at you? And, uh, and the answer is always, no, Mr. Pass, you didn't. So why are you doing it to me? Mm-hmm. And then they were like, you know what? And give them, give them a few seconds, and they'll apologize, try to get together. Some are just going to apologize in a moment, because five minutes later, they're going to do the same thing again. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just learned that just try to deal with it as best you can. Set the example early. You have to set that example early. You have to be firm, mm-hmm. but fair, early. Because if you can't set the standard those first two, three months, the rest of the year is going to be crazy. It's going to be hell mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. You can't set that standard in, that, in those first few months. I've heard some people say, don't smile until Christmas. <laughs> don't smile until Christmas? Like they just say, smile until Christmas. RBF the whole way. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know, I recently just knew, found out what that meant. I was like, what is the RBF? <laughs> my wife now told you me, in the know. My wife told me, like, last week, I didn't want to tell people how, how long ago, how long I didn't know, but I found out last week. <laughs> and I'm still not going to say what it, what it is, because I don't like to use that word. I try not to use that word because right. I don't have to at all. Yeah, yeah. But I kind of take that approach when I... I, it's hard to do that. I mean, I'm sorry. I have, I, I have a little too much personality. I like to talk to my kids, get to know them. So my thing is I expect what I expect. Mm-hmm. We might crack a joke here and there, but when I when it's time to go, it's time to go. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We might have a moment, but I, I just let them know, hey, when that fist goes up, we're serious. When, when instruction's going on, I don't like to be interrupted. If somebody has the floor, they have the floor. Mm-hmm. Um... Now, dealing with struggling kids, I mean, that that's a whole different story because, I mean, you try to work with them, give them extra work, pull them to the side, you call their parents. I mean, it's just, it can be it can be heartbreaking sometimes. Yeah. Because um, sometimes you have kids who, who they're giving everything they can and they're reading on a first or second grade level in the seventh grade. And it's really not much 
as a social studies teacher or as a seventh grade teacher isn't you can't go back and cover that ground. Ugh, you, yeah. Um, I, something that I learned, uh, something I thought about when looking at like bad kids or you know bad classroom, or whatever. When you have these rowdy kids, because I think a lot of time um, in the youth, especially African American kids, are always looked at as rowdy. You know, when really, I like to think they just bring a lot of personality with them off the bus. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they they all they always have something to say or something funny to do or they're dancing or they're doing something like they're always doing something. Um, So when I get kids in the classroom that like weren't listening or being rowdy or whatever, I really tried my best not to think of them as bad kids, but to try and think backwards and be like, okay, why are they not focusing right now? Is it because I'm not, I'm not doing something right? Or is it because something extra is going on? Is there one particular person that's like the cause of this? And do I need to pull them aside? Like, cause I think we forget that they're little people too. That is true. They, they're not adults. And so too often, not to cut you off, mm-hmm. we expect our students to be a finished product. Yes. So we're, they're not finished products. We expect them to be model, upstanding, top performing citizens when we're we're still not there yet so we expect them to be finished products when we're far from the finished product right so sometimes we we, we expect more than what, what, what we can even live up to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i've also feel like with those students sometimes those students just talk to them mm-hmm. talk to them like they're human beings sometimes as teachers we start talking down to our students or talking at them instead of talking to them right right yeah I think it takes a special kind of person to remember that because it can be so frustrating sometimes teaching, you know, and, and maybe something, you know, because we're, we're people too, you know what I mean? As teachers, like we have things going on in our lives. We may come in that classroom after just arguing with our spouse or whatever, or maybe we had a rough night the night before, or we're dealing with our own demons and then we have to go in there and deal with other people's demons too. It's a lot of pressure, you know? That is very true. And it's just sometimes that self, you need that moment of self-reflect, that moment of self-reflection. And sometimes you can't be too proud to say, you know what? My bad. Yeah. Yeah. I yelled at you. You know what? My bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We could have handled that a different way. And and here's a question that's, that's not something that, you know, we've discussed before. But how do you feel about students that get into trouble? Like, say, they, they get, you know, internal suspension or something like that. How do you feel about approaches with meditation and yoga? in internal suspension. Have you seen anything like that? Do you have any background knowledge in that kind of thing? I have no background knowledge in I've seen stuff like that on Facebook and on on the on the internet and on, in, in articles and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'd be very interested to look at some facts and research and just see how how it works and just how it's implemented and see how successful it could be. I wouldn't be opposed to it. I think it's kind of the same concept as like giving kids alternative like outlets for their energy you know what I mean so like they're, they're rowdy in the classroom because they don't have enough recess so this is like an, another way of them self-reflecting and saying okay why did I act out why did I do this and they're taking that time to self-meditate and self-assess kind of the same thing that you were saying like as a teacher as an adult we need to do but they're trying to implement it I think with the little with starting with elementary school like saying okay why did you hit so and so like what really caused you to have this conflict inside and I know this sounds like super airy and things like that but I think that 
meditation and yoga and things like that. And I know it's not, I don't know if it's common in the black community or not, but I, I would advocate that we as a black community need to do more of that to support our mental health, right? That is what we need to do a lot of things, a lot, a lot more to support our mental health. I mean, I can see yoga. I mean, whatever works for you, mm-hmm. you know, whatever can help you out, whatever floats your boat. I mean, whatever is successful, I think a lot of us need to find different avenues, find different ways to express ourselves or blow off some steam or, you know, or refocus ourselves. Yeah. I'd be open to a number of different avenues to just help us to get our students focused and get them to get them on track and help them deal with their emotions and their their mental health and you know just be able to just calm down right right so really quickly i just want to touch on like sols um do you call them sols in south carolina Yes, we do. We do have a SOS to the learn objectives. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So yeah. with with those, like I know in Virginia, when I did my teaching licensure, like for every lesson plan that I did, I had to have SOLs to back up why I was doing the things I did. And I have an interesting point of view in that I kind of like SOLs personally. Um, but I'll let you start first. You tell me, how do you, how do you feel about SOLs? I will say now that our test, our standardized testing system, you know, it's based on our standards. And, you know, each grade, each subject area, you have standards, and you have to teach to the standards. You, I mean, you have a certain level of standards, but your lesson plan has to be, each lesson plan you do does have to deal with a certain standard. Okay. Social studies, we have seven grade social studies in South Carolina, we have a curriculum. Mm-hmm. We have seven whole standards, and we have the, throughout the school year, we have seven standards, which they have indicators, you know, throughout the standards that we have to cover. Throughout the year, and those will uh, what will be taken and tested on. Okay. So, where you are, do they actually what What do they do with that data? I mean, of, other than students, you know, matriculating onto the next grade, like what what really happens with those test results? Those statewide test results. I mean, they look at them. They they print out a report card every year. You get a, um every year, every other year. You know, you get your school report card and let you know how you did. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll determine what year. Uh, failing school, uh, at-risk school, you know, average. They give you your rate ratings, your rankings. Um, that's pretty much what they do. Um, do you get more funding? I mean, certain priority schools that you get certain money for being a priority school. Mm-hmm. You know, being at-risk priority schools, you do get extra funding. You, get, you know, you get some some perks. Well, not perks, but you get some materials to help you out. Some money where that can be allocated to materials and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they, you know, they print out the report card in the paper every year. Every school, you know, your district, they print it out in the report card, let everybody know how you're doing, mm-hmm. how you're performing. They do hold some teachers to the fire with their test scores. And principals do that a lot. They'll say, all right, now, they may not call you by name, but we have somebody who didn't have a single, single kid reach the MET category in this category, and that's, and that's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And I mean, really, you know, it's almost. You have that pressure of kids got to pass, got to get met, or exemplary. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess I wonder, like, with them implementing those new SLOs, like, is that supposed to give you a little bit of leverage? Because it's like, well, maybe my students didn't do good on the test, but they do still know the material because they've been assessed in other ways and they were doing well in the other assessments. Like, it's- I mean, that's a good moral victory for you, maybe. Mm-hmm. 
but I mean, I, I haven't seen to where they're really going to look at the. I haven't seen how they've looked at the correlation between the SLO results on your SLOs and the statewide tests. I haven't seen how they've actually looked at a correlation of those. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they're actually putting them together and comparing them, and I don't think they do. They I don't think they're at that point yet. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not the expert on it, so I don't quote me. Yeah. You know, don't hold me to the fire on it, but I'm just saying from what I've experienced. Yeah. And then the other thing I wonder is like, how does that affect our, our, our children of color? Like, how does that really affect them? Like, are they, are they as successful as children not of color when it comes to these kind of assessment tests and things like that? Have you noticed any difference? Um, I will say these tests are, how do I say this? They are culturally biased. Mm. And I mean, they can even be more than just culturally biased. They're more so a class bias, same kind of sort of, because you're, it, it's, the tests are, are written a certain way. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's written in a way that some, a lot of our students may not understand. A lot of our, they, they just aren't used to this kind of vocabulary, um, the, the terminology that's used, all these tests, it's just kind of over their head. And I know one thing we've been trying to do is focus on our children's vocabulary to expand their vocabulary so that when they're seeing these tests, they're not just like, what does it mean to do this? Like, you know, they're not, they're not flabbergasted when they see this word we're asking to delineate or to, uh, what is equivalent or, you know, these words, whatever. They're looking at these words like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. Um, so I've noticed that there, there is a, there's a gap between, uh, you know, our students' vocabulary and the vocabulary used on the test. And I mean, that's exposure. That's an exposure issue right there. Yeah. yeah. So I, I almost think it's more than just, just culturally, it's more so the affluent, the affluence comes into play as well, and exposure. Mm-hmm. Which goes back to that 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 reading comprehension and everything else that we were mentioning earlier, right? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And that, that understanding the basic vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's and that's a really good segue actually into the next thing. I'm actually going to skip around just a little bit, but like. How do you think that we can support our African-American youth in elementary school to high school and beyond? Like what are, if you could give us one to two things that you think are just what we need to do as a community to support our kids, what would that be? I mean, one is just exposure. They need to be exposed to a number of different things, just different avenues, different careers, different different ways of life, different places, areas. And just see how the world really works. A lot of our kids, they haven't been 15 miles outside of where they live in their whole life. Um, some have some have the opportunity to be exposed to different things. Some are small town living. That's all they've ever known. So they don't know anything different. So I think exposure, um, seeing different things, being able to hear different things, being exposed to different different curriculums, different dialects, different ways of speaking, different ways of thinking, mm-hmm. different way of thinking, different lifestyle, seeing it. Everything is not set in stone. Mm-hmm. Things can change. Things can things evolve. Things change. Things can be manipulated. You know, this is not just how it is. Mm-hmm. You can change your surroundings. You can change your environment. These are changes that you can make. And sometimes just letting them know that can mean a big difference. So I think it's that exposure. So like I said, one is exposure and just preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, just preparing them for 
just for what's what's to come. I think too often a lot of our, our students they are ill prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, they they come to they come to preschool ill prepared. They go to middle school ill prepared. High school ill prepared. Then they enter into the world ill prepared. I've I've even noticed a lot of days our students that are going to college are coming ill prepared. Amen. <clears throat> They're not ready. They don't have the skills they need to perform on any of these levels. Mm-hmm. And we just that's one thing we have to do is we have to make sure we get them ready. I mean it starts it starts at the lowest of levels, making sure they have the fundamentals they need to matriculate matriculate successfully through school. They have to have the fundamentals. We are failing because we are not getting those fundamentals. Right. Or and our kids are being passed along. Mm-hmm. I feel like they need some tough love. That's what our kids need a little tough love. You need to I hate to say it. Mm-hmm. Maybe some students need to be left back, held back here. Mm-hmm. You know, be retained. Because they don't have the information. They don't they're not quite where they need to be to move on. And what's the point of moving a child on three, four years and then they're in the fifth grade and they can't read. Right. I mean, if you don't have those basics, you're gonna you're gonna struggle throughout the rest of the rest of your time in school. Yeah, giving them just giving them a free pass to move along is not it's not helping nobody. Oh, it's, it's, it's hurting. It's hurting everybody. It hurts us as a community. It hurts. It hurts us as first off as a black community, and then it hurts us as a, a community as a whole because now the people that we're producing that are supposed to go into the workplace aren't even ready to go into the workplace. Oh, uh-huh. and then people, then then those people hiring us are like, look at them. They can't do this. They're not prepared. They're they're this. They're that. And we got mm-hmm. we have to. Prepare them for the world that they're going to live in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because instead of thinking, oh, this person hasn't had the opportunity, they instantly think, oh, this person is stupid. That's true. They are, they, they're going to go straight to, oh, they don't care. They're stupid. They're ignorant. Mm-hmm. They don't want anything. But I mean, just they just didn't get what they needed. Right. Right. And and another thing, so I, I, I to revoice some of the things that you said, I agree. Exposure is, is big. Um one thing that I thought about while you were talking to is service learning. Like that's another really great tool to help students learn, you know, yeah. how to work with other people and to identify with other people is like by actually going out there, giving back to their community through volunteer work, through things like that, through honor society, whatever, but actually doing service and learning something at the same time, whether that's them trying to build a business or whatever, you know, in their community that helps you know, feed the hungry or give, you know, the homeless socks, things like that. Like these little small things that kids can get involved in so early that makes them understand the world and get exposed to the world sooner. Oh, yes, that is very true. Just learn through experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you'd be surprised at what you can learn just through sheer experience. Yes. Yeah. And, and even around here, and I looked up South Carolina, too, just to be sure, but like, the public library is so awesome, people. There are so many free programs that are locally supported at libraries. Like, there's free meals here in Hampton Roads for students. Like, anybody listening to this is Hampton Roads. If your kid needs a meal, take them to the library. They can eat for free Monday through Friday. Like, take them. Out in South Carolina, they still have, like, uh, anime clubs that are ran through the library. They've got teen reading uh, suggestions. They've got stuff for the kids that's absolutely free and I think people forget about that kind of stuff. That's true. We don't take advantage of those things um, that are free mm-hmm. and that are out there. I mean, just because honestly a lot of times we don't know we're ignorant to the fact that they're out there because we're not we're not doing our research. We're not doing our due diligence. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, hey, it's, 
shoot, it's, it's read. It's in a book. It's in a newspaper. It's online. It's there for you. You just have to go access it. You have to That's access it. That's it. Yeah, and, and even down to like earlier conversations at, at home, hopefully, or just whoever is a mentor to these kids. Like if you know you like you may not have any kids listeners, but you've got kids that are around you start having those early conversations about careers. And that doesn't have to be, you know, go to college because let's face it, not everybody needs to go to college. That's fine. But if you say to me, like, I'm really interested in plumbing, like I think I really like doing this or I'm interested in being a mechanic then encourage those youth to be the best mechanic or plumber that they can be like start their own business take over the whole plumbing market like be like be the number one person that people google in the area for plumbing you know what i mean that is true have hone their craft do their research learn what it takes to thrive in this field to be successful learn what it takes um mm-hmm. see how much they make just what level of education you need just mm-hmm. what are the best ways of doing it? how to get in this field just just do your research. Just understand what you're doing, and and I, I, I was about to say something about the, the those the the vocational field as well. I want to say something about this, how college is not always the only option. Mm-hmm. There's so many other careers out there because I think one thing that we do too often today is push college, 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 college. Mm-hmm. I agree. College is a great thing, but it, it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, the purpose of going to college is to put yourself in a career where you can make enough money to live the type of lifestyle that you want to live right right so if you can do that without going to college by all means yeah yeah electric electricians make great money oh yes they do yeah and they don't need a college degree people so the people who are like making sure that your lights work they make great money and they do not have college degrees just a heads up if you were wondering welding plumbing i mean just i was looking up different programs the other day that are not your traditional college route where they are making, oh my gosh, 25, 30, 40 an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. HVAC certs, like those things like that that you can get through your community college. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was looking at that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, there's so many things out there to where we have to just expose our, just that that also comes from exposure. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And letting them know what's out there and letting them experience what's out there. And then, you know, finding their own niche. Yeah, yeah. And if your kid is that kind of kid that is interested in higher education, then exposing them to that early, too. And it doesn't have to be like, you know, taking you on tours, which tours are great. And most of university tours, by the way, people are free. Um, At least I can speak to public state universities. I mean, they usually have they have students who wait around just to take kids on tours. That's it. I mean, first, they have students who that's their job throughout the day, taking people on tours. That's what they do when they're not in class. Be here waiting on anybody who wants to take a tour. You don't have mm-hmm. to register. Come. Just walk in. Yeah, just go. Just go. And then and, and if it's not, if there is no tour available that day or whatever, just walk around the campus. Get a feel for it. What does it feel like to even be on a campus? And if you're blessed enough to be able to go to university events like footballs or basketball games, take them take them to that stuff too because that exposes them to the social life of, of college, which of course, you know, there's the classroom life, but they also need to be exposed to that like high school and middle school and elementary is not the same as college yes you're going to go to class but that social life is completely different so many kids oh, hold on love that freedom and just the, that freedom that you have to just make your own decisions and do what you want to do without mm-hmm. mom and daddy's submission yes and getting exposed to not just different people oh, yeah you know that are that are local but in like international students too you know I what mean, i mean like 
whose lifestyle is completely different than yours. Yes. And it's it's like it's different, but it's not wrong. Different is not wrong. That's right. I think that this has been a wonderful conversation, as I knew it would be. Oh, yes. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what Friday Beast was worried about. He's always so concerned. He was worried. Tell him to stop. He's always worried. I'm going to let you tell him that when he listens to this. I'll let him know. Stop worrying <laughs> so much. Uh, he said, this is my baby, Akila. You make sure you take care of it. And I was like, okay. Hey, I'm standing with this baby. Hey, we're, not, we're not going to harm your baby. That's right. Thank you. Um, so before we go, before we wrap everything up, is there any final thoughts, words, anything you want to say to everybody that's going to be listening? I mean, just anything I want to say. Final thoughts. Education, this education business is real. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I will say, education is vital. Let's make sure that we are giving our youth every opportunity to be successful. To our parents, please, 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 be involved. You know, make sure that your your child's education is a priority. It's not on the back burner. It is a priority because. That's going to determine just the amount of success they can have in life, you know. So just just want everybody knowing that once again, please respect the teachers. Please respect your teachers. Mm-hmm. All right, we get so much flack, so much slack, and everybody like you're just a teacher. That is one of the most disrespectful comments I've heard in my career. Well, you're just a teacher. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. What is that supposed to mean? Mm-hmm. You know, so. We are responsible for doctors, lawyers, engineers, astronauts, athletes. Without without teachers, where are these people? Right. That's about it, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think some final words I would say to the listeners would just be, you know, remember to expose your kids all the way through. I think what you said about exposure is so important. Everything from the library that's free to going to art museums, to live theater shows, musicals, expose them, just expose them at every opportunity to different people, to different walks of life, to different things, because it's been proven that the more that kids learn outside the classroom, the more successful they are in it. Um, And, you know, even if they stop at a high school diploma, that's fine. But just encouraging your kid to be the best that they can be um, is is just what you want to do. And to the teachers out there, a huge thank you. I don't think that y'all can ever hear it enough. Thank you for putting up with our kids for more days than parents do, you know, for um, listening to them when we know that you don't really want to listen to them. Because trust my child, she can talk a mile a minute and I'm not always listening. I try. I try real hard, Brian, but it's hard. Hey, somebody like, oh my God, just slow it down. Like, uh, do you, are you still talking? I, are we still talking about the same subject what? we was talking about five minutes ago? I thought we had moved on. Yeah. So, you know, a big thank you. And thank you to the administrative people, anybody who supports teachers, that's PTA, you know, administrators, uh, principals, people on school board, people who still believe in public education, because we didn't even get into the whole public versus private, because I am a strong oh. believer in public education. I am too. I, I'm just not for private students. Private does not mean better. Amen. By, by no means does private mean better. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, you know, thank you, colorful listeners, for uh, checking in with us. And again, thank you, Brian, for being on the show with me. Thank you. Thank you. 
All right, colorful listeners, this is Colorful Language. Colorful Language. Hey, everybody. If you like this episode of Colorful Language, subscribe to the channel on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also, if you want to share your thoughts on the show, contact Friday Beats at The Colorful Language on Instagram, at Color Language on Twitter, and through the Colorful Language Facebook page. Thanks for listening. You're a natural. I need to get paid. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.